Hello, my name is Parker. And my name is Ned. And this is The Force Unlimited, the, huh, that's interesting, of Star Wars Unlimited podcast. This is episode number nine. Uh, nine, Ned, that is an auspicious number uh, in... Extremely. In, in, in Star Wars. A trilogy of trilogies. Yeah. Nine movies in the Skywalker saga. Uh, I've been looking for it. I wanted to tell you something. Uh, and I'm I'm oh. terrified it will make you sad. I almost because I didn't do it. We did we aren't doing it. But uh, okay. our episodes display down below in Roman numerals, uh, and YouTube does its own kind of auto counting mm -hmm. and so forth. But I seriously sure. considered uh, making this podcast's numbering in base nine. Uh, so this would be episode one zero for those who are not familiar with. Um, uh, non base 10 numbering systems, and I thought that'd be really fun. That episode number 18 uh, that is fun. Zero, I'm, right? I'm a little disappointed that you didn't do that, right? I yeah, know. no, I I like, that, that's it, good. Yeah, the, the amount of logistical overhead it would take to pull that off felt you know the juice wasn't worth mm. the squeeze, but it, it, it tickled me that you know nine is so powerful in Star Wars. Why don't we do base nine? And then people would get confused. What do you mean? You said it was episode you know number. 27 but you're listening it is episode nine three, zero, but i'm seeing and, 10 right here how'd you go from episode eight to yeah uh, eight to ten yeah, how did you no, go from just, 26 yeah. to 30 chaos you know, i thought that'd be hilarious but yeah. um so uh a week of star wars and star wars adjacent moments that merit acknowledgement if not discussion uh, since we last recorded mm -hmm. uh, there was the star wars unlimited community celebration which is uh, given our target demographic, dear listener, you've probably already listened to at least three talks about this. Uh, so it is best discussed by people who were there, uh, who can do a better job covering what was there, all of the major spoiler drop, the Twin Suns format, but worth acknowledging if for no other reason than uh, I think a huge demonstration of the commitment of new FFG. I mean, that's, I think, the clearest demonstration we've seen yet of new FFG. Um, we got the complete yeah, I set. Mean, I followed it closely on the platform that was formerly known as Twitter. Um, yeah. and you know, next, next year in Jerusalem. Yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, we got the complete set net. Yeah. So now I expect big things. We have, yes. we have a data set. We have a, a format. We, we do. Um, so, but not tonight, uh, on a personal note, uh, I went to Disneyland. I'm going to make a spicy take, uh, mid, uh, it is. Uh, I think the highs are higher than they've ever been. And if you are a Star Wars fan who has not been, uh, Rise of Skywalker is, I would rather go on that ride for the first time again than see any Star Wars movie again for the first time. Like, if I had to choose, it's not even a question. Um, but the rest wow. of it was uh, a bold rough. claim. Um, yeah. No, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Perfect. The rest of it was a lot of uh, cast members with phones telling me the phone wouldn't let them help me. Uh, and, and that is a very expensive place to go uh, to get the same experience that I can get at Target. So um, overall, I think mid. Um, and then another personal note, I have finished my first Star Wars book since I read The Mine Harps of Sheru, uh, a Lando Calrissian novel in high school. Uh, that was the last time I read a Star Wars novel. I have tried it again. Uh, I tried it a few times, but I have completed one, Light of the Jedi. Also mid, um, another bold take. 
but this mm. one I do not mean to antagonize. I enjoyed it. Uh, my two major critiques are one, uh, you ever see the movie uh, Unbreakable uh, with uh, Bruce Willis and Mace Windu? Yes. Okay. So I remember vividly, I still remember this feeling sitting in the movie theater for Unbreakable. Uh, I haven't watched the movie since I saw it in the theater. And I loved every minute of that movie. I was feeling it. I was there. It was a true edge of the seat experience. And I'll, we were building up right to the, the good stuff. And then the movie ended. And young Parker was incensed, right? Like the origin story as a film with no climactic battle, like I, from a distance I can intellectually respect, but in that moment I was so white hot rage and, and I wasn't mad uh, at light of the Jedi, but similar experience. We live in an age of serialized media. Uh, I read, you know, Ian M. Banks and Robert Jordan. I'm expecting a thousand pages. And Light of the Jedi felt like the first act of a book that I was, I would very much enjoy reading. Um, there was a lot of setup, and then the book was done. And, and, and so that's not a criticism. I'm sure there's a very good book after it. Uh, that's the middle action. Sure. There's probably a third book after it that's an even, you know, a grand conclusion. But but it was a lot of build up to get and, and with a book you feel it you know right you don't get lost in it in the same way like with a movie yeah. you can lose track of time with a book you have a uh, i mean i was reading a paper book you're I always looking exactly at like there, there's many, 20 pages left how are they yeah yeah how are they going to wrap this up they're not and, and 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 that one i can forgive that's just part of again the, you know you want to you don't want to it's a new series it's a new era of star wars you don't want to open up with a 900 page treatise but I also don't. So I, mean, I don't. Aren't you, this is though? not a dunk on Star Wars. What? Sure. I mean, aren't you though? Right. I mean, like, if your entire story takes place over three three hundred page books, have you not written a nine hundred page Star Wars treatise in three installments? Yeah, but but you've only sold the first third to some people. Right? Okay. You know, like okay. the buy-in to get in is lower. You buy the. It's the same reason they they split Dungeons and Dragons into three books, right? Like. And they tell you, oh, it's only this much, but it's actually three times that much. You, yeah. buy, you know, you split it up. So I get that. The, the, the thing I struggled with, and this is not a knock on Star Wars. This is uh, a knock, I think, on all. It's why I don't, I, I rarely read any intellectual property, uh, you know, cinematic universe based books. Was, uh, I don't know what the term for it is, the Wikipedia-fication of the novel. Um, just constantly reading uh you know so the globular right walked into the into the cantina and the light reflected on his green skin and that's the description i got i'm just expected to know how many limbs does a globular right have like it, does he have teeth does he have how many eyes does a globular right have? you know like if mm. i know twi'leks and i know wookies and you know more than that. You know, you know, Trilesha Dorians and kind of um, like, you know, I mean, I, I'm vaguely aware of them. And like, I didn't know Trandishan yeah. until well, I started like getting into Star Wars Unlimited. So just reading this book that was just constantly like thing you should know. And I'd be like, ah, I'd go look up and I'd be like, oh, it's that guy from uh, the Phantom Menace or, you know. Oh, it's Max Rebo. Right. Yeah. It's, like just this constant yeah. stream of, you know, 
and and that one I really struggle with. That one I don't know if I can forgive, and I'm not sure if I'm going to go into the next book because I assume it's just more of that. It is just here's a dude featuring species that made a brief appearance. But, in the but Clone you've got Wars. that you've got the background now, and you know that they're talking about that one Dexter Jetster from for the main the character, 1950s. sure. But it's just going to yeah. be an and, and this is a classic space yeah, opera okay. novel, Ned, with like like 30 points of view characters like you're just constantly oh, jumping around and they each have their own supporting oh, characters and it, it, it's just a lot of weird That's aliens and that yeah. works in comic books that works in any for, form of film or television that does not work in a novel because you it, get to see it right like you don't have to look it up right. you're like oh it's that weird guy you yeah. don't have to remember the name you don't, but you don't have to explain it yeah it's you know active versus passive vocabulary so that was a right. lot of big uh, Star Wars notes. One personal note, Ned, uh, mildly, uh, hopefully very, somewhere between mild and very exciting. Uh, in, since our last episode, we were briefly, yes. briefly, okay. like I think for briefly. minutes, probably less than an hour, okay. one of the top 10 Apple podcast gaming podcasts in Poland. Whoa! In Poland. Oh, sorry. In Poland. <laughs> in Poland. Okay. So, but I mean, we're well, making waves. Yeah. No, I think I think that it takes. It's important to take a moment here. I want to say, uh, Cheshire, to our listeners. Uh, I'm glad that uh, the uh, wisdom, the sagacity of our podcast has been recognized by the noble people of Poland. Uh, and you know, I'd like to uh thank our listeners um from krakow in the south to gdansk on the baltic uh we celebrate you uh i feel like at some point we may enter into the the grand pantheon of polish luminaries alongside uh marie curie benoit mandelbro uh nicholas copernicus joseph conrad chopin uh maciej Cieglowski, and uh that guy that wrote the witcher series so uh poland we salute you wow uh yes yeah Wow. Okay. Uh, I got nothing for yeah. that, Ned. That was brilliant. Um, let's go into tonight's game. Um, uh, who played? That was. It's a, I want to get in and talk about it. So who played who and who won? Okay. So I played as. As you might have surmised by my endless complaining about, I want a playable sacrifice deck. As soon as Palpatine was spoiled, I went directly to the lab and began brewing Palpatine variants. So, I played Palpatine Red. And you played Iden Green uh, with Energy Conversion Lab. And I think it was the kind of classic control deck gets out-controlled by a harder control deck, right? Like Iden is has a lot of the value that is spent on like not dying. Uh, but in dear a control listener, versus you control matchup. Yet, Ned won. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was you know, there you ramped harder than I did, but you know, I, I had a solid control of the board for, I'd say, like, half the game. I I think that's fair. Um, yeah, I yeah. definitely, like, immediately seeing the matchup was curious how... There are definitely control... I think it's why I like mid-range. It's why I gravitate mm -hmm. towards mid-range. I like the ability to pivot. I, I find incredible value yeah. in pivoting. And I struggled as the second... You know, being the beatdown... Yeah, in a control deck was just such an unpleasant feeling. Like, yeah, because there's nothing that lines up, right? right. Like, like, yeah, just fighting no, my deck the I, entire time. Like, the blue villain really resonates with me, but the play style of picking either aggro or control, like being locked into one, but still in 
archetype mirror match, like having to pivot and become the thing you're I not. I mean, that's what the that's what the sideboard is for. Oh, I of mean, course, sure. Right? And in yeah, the best two yeah. out of three, but it still means right. the first game of every match of of that kind of matchup is incredibly unpleasant, right? Um, oh yeah, no, you just you get obliterated. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm being able to play Vader thrice uh, and still not pull up. That's the, you know the first time playing against yeah. uh, Palpatine. And just his, I mean, you only used his uh, primary ability once, I believe, to once just yeah. to get Mahdi to reactivate Fifth Brother, but yeah, that threat of the deploy. Oh, it's taking something. Yeah, just... it's so huge, right? Like as soon as you're on high resources, it's it's bad. I think one thing that I was a little surprised about is that you didn't deploy your leader until like. I think I had like seven resources or something. I was hanging out so close to one to two health uh, that it yeah. didn't seem worth it uh, because her value isn't being able to knock out multiple. I mean, sure, she's a four four shielded body, but who cares? You're sitting yeah. in a. I mean, you're sitting on a takedown, or no, you wouldn't be t having a takedown. Yeah. But you're sitting on something. No, I don't have a takedown. Right, but you, you've got. I I didn't. Right, no, you yeah, literally I mean, could. Like, yeah. I mean, well, minus the tax, but you're right. I, I, I just I, I felt like the value is waiting until I could optimize for a multi removal sure. with OB getting mm -hmm. two three health out of her, and that was yeah. possibly a skill choice, but it was intentional. It, it, it was not an yeah. oversight. Um, yeah, I did not. As much as I love Krennic, I love Iden, I love their carpools. Like I'm just I, I need to be able to pivot. I need a deck that allows me to pivot. More I think you can pivot with Krennic. Yeah. I think that Krennic, out of the two leaders, I think that Krennic pivots better because his leader ability is much more aggressive, whereas Aiden is purely like a reactive, keep you alive. Anyway, right. trolling too no, hard. No, 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 no. Yeah. This, this is actually yeah. A, a, yeah. a fantastic point because, uh, yeah. you know, Krennic, uh, we, got, we got the pre-release coming up. By the, net, by the time yeah. you listen to this, dear listener, you are in the future. You are closer to the pre-release than we are the next time we record, uh, the pre-release will be behind us. So this is our last chance to talk to you, dear listener, uh, before the pre-release. And on that note, uh, Jermaine, uh, Krennic is common. Aiden is yeah. rare. So I, I, I have a, yeah. I'm all assured of picking up uh, Krennic in one of my boxes. High likelihood of Aiden as well. Um, but so tonight we're actually going to talk about uh, preparing for the pre-release. But first, Ooh. we're going to talk about uh, that kind of feeling of how do you play the kind of deck that you want to play. Ned, you want to take that away? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think that people play games to have fun, you know, uh, outside hot, of content. spicy take. Well, I mean, I think that there are exceptions to that. Like, I would say that some people play video games kind of out of obligation. Like, there was definitely a period where I was, you know, logging into an MMO because my friends were in the MMO and I didn't want to kind of get left behind, but I wasn't actively enjoying the experience. Right. And I think that to, you know, a certain extent there are, there are some subsets of games that people kind of get dragged along with, but I used to love for board games, management games. Yeah. Uh, so much. Uh, and you and I had talked about management games. Yeah. I, they, they were my jam, just building layers upon layers of logic on top of logic. It just resonated with me. Yeah. Uh, and you and I met when I was basically I just started my career as a programmer. Sometime a couple of years into becoming a programmer, that the desire 
to play, Factorio, Captain of Industry, like all those management games, uh, Oxygen Not Included, just suddenly evaporated. It was just my job gamified. Yeah. You know, I was like, oh man, I'm just wrestling with logic gates and and timing bottlenecks at work and coming home and like doing that again. I'm like, I could change context and make money. Why am I why am yeah. I playing this game? But no, I, I think that's fair. And especially but in like the TCG yeah. context with the rise of the digital digital TCGs with those rewards. Like I was playing yeah. Snap and I stopped every TCG I think digital TCG that everybody plays there's a point where it stops being fun and you continue playing yeah you're, you're grinding for rewards but I think that in the paper space and this is one of the reasons why I like playing paper games is that you know there there's no rewards you're just you're playing it because you wanted to play it but uh, another important caveat to that is uh, Different people find different kinds of things fun. For instance, I find uh, six to eight uh, hour war games about early modern conflicts fun. Uh, and I think that Parker uh, does not. I I mean, I keep coming back. So uh, yeah, I mean, no, thank you. There has to be a not. I, I don't clearly don't hate it. Uh, I, I enjoy the company and the shared experiences. Uh, you know, that yeah. that's a the the I don't know nerd equivalent of getting invited to go on a weird backpacking trip that you, you know, or something where you say yeah. yes, because how often, I mean, somebody's listening who gets invited every weekend to go play an eight hour war game. But me, it's only when you invite me. So I usually will make the time. Yep. So, okay. Yeah. Different ways to have fun. Nothing yeah. but spicy takes yeah. tonight, dear listener. So I know just, just <laughs> really, but you know, you gotta, you gotta build from, from, you know, base principles, stones. strong foundations yep. for all of our arguments. No, nope. yep. I love it. So, but, uh, you know, we both play SWOO, and we both enjoy it. And uh, SWOO, and I think a lot of games like SWOO, where you have, like, a, a personal expression element, um, has a lot of different ways to play. And that's not just meaning formats, but I mean, like, different approaches to playing the game. Uh, although it does have a lot of different formats, uh, especially, like, Twin Suns, which I think is very interesting and I want to talk about later as like explicitly designing for a commander-ish variant oh, no. of, of the game. I, we will yeah. have a lot to say about uh, Twin oh, Suns, yeah. I think. What, what, okay, so but so there's formats, you mean like Twin Suns and yeah. Limited, but also yeah. Yeah. you're saying a manner of play. Yes. Um, and I think, you know, for people who listen to our psychographics episode, shout out to our, our psychographics episode, we've kind of dipped our toes in the water here. Uh, but the psychographics are really designed, they're advertising psychographics, right? Like, we called this out in the episode. They are things that people are invoking because they're trying to talk about how we want to design and market cards. Um, so let's let's re just revisit them hyper fast because I'm, I'm sure that everybody in Gdansk has listened to all of our uh, prior work. Sure, but, but, but in not case everybody, not. Yeah. The big three yes. are uh, Timmy Tammy uh, of the previously mentioned Timmy Tammy slam when you slam down yes. an awesome big card on the table uh, they they right. love the big exciting effects um, regardless of their mechanical complexity or competitive viability um, you got Johnny or Jenny who just they want to build Rube Goldberg machines uh, any card that could be broken in a niche case they want to they are immediately gravitating towards that niche case and then you've got spikes uh, who, who like to win uh, and 
not to equate to tryhards. They they want to be rewarded for identifying uh, good decks, uh, for identifying meta dominant decks, for for skillful plays. They derive value from winning. The classic uh, uh, kind of rubric I remember reading originally that always sticks in my mind is that Timmy is defined exclusively in the moment of like playing a card. It has nothing to do with victory. Yeah. Uh, Timmy can win yeah. when they lose if they played their yes. big dragon or dinosaur. Uh, mm-hmm. Johnny or Jenny would rather w- is happy winning one out of ten games if they in that one game the whole Rube Goldberg machine makes the toast at the end. Like if the toast if yes. it turns it into an OK Go video, music video one out of ten games, they're happy. And Spike is unhappy yeah. having lost nine out of ten games because they lost one. Yes. And yeah. That so those are the three big. Um, what's how is that axis defined without going into Melvorthos? I mean, we can we can kind of collapse it down for purposes of this discussion. Sure. I mean, you can talk about like these different polls, but um, we can talk about playing to ex- for expression versus playing to win. Okay. Where Timmy and Johnny Jenny are tr- Timmy Tammy Johnny Jenny are trying to express themselves. They're trying to feel something by doing playing a certain way and that something is very different for these two you know timmy might want to play their big dinosaur or timmy might want to like play their their foozle tribal deck and they get their all their foozles into play and then they get to attack for five million because all their foozles have all their foozle abilities and you know johnny jenny they're not really interested in putting all the foozles together but they're interested in like doing the thing where they get to put their whole deck into their discard pile and then they, they uh, want to make cards. cheese yeah. with their cows and have yeah the good exactly okay. right they're, they're trying to express themselves through the medium of the game okay you know and spike is trying to win they're, they're the play they're to trying win. to their expression is they're winning. the play to win yeah, their 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 expression is winning, okay. and um, you know when you're talking about uh, Timmy, Tammy, Johnny, Jenny, the playing to expression for expression folks, they are really going to play in ways that are different than the ways that Spike are going to play, even when they're playing the same game, and we can start that off with deck choice, right? Like Timmy, Tammy, Johnny, Jenny, they are not going to typically build good stuff dot deck, right? Like that that's not like a very you you can argue that maybe Timmy will build like big stuff dot deck. Okay, but and um, we're gonna come keep you know, going. I'll let you finish the argument. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sold. I mean, that uh, certainly Johnny Jenny is not gonna be building good stuff dot. Oh, deck. of course, like that, absolutely. That, that's anathema. Right, right, anathema to them. And um, they typically will have styles of play that they like better. You know, like Tommy Tammy Timmy is going to tend to gravitate more towards mid range or aggro strategies theoretically like that's not always true you might you might see some like control timmies where they really want to like draw five million cards um you know and and the johnny jennies are going to tend to gravitate more towards control and combo strategies whereas like playing to win you're not really gravitating towards there might be strategies that you favor just because you you have a personal card uh, draws good so fondness for them yeah yeah but in general, playing to win is defined by you are going to play the decks that win, right? So, so even before you get into the the play patterns of them, there is going to be a tendency for like the deck choices to be different. And then when you move into the play patterns, like Timmy, Tammy, Johnny, Jenny, like squeaking out marginal advantages, like playing trade, like trading, 
and, and trying to squeak out that extra little bit of card advantage or that extra little bit of thing. That's not typically how they play. And so even though you're playing the same games, you're not playing them the same way, and that can cause a lot of um, annoyance, I think, and, and, and hurt feelings and you know just general negative experiences um, when people with these different styles clash in certain contexts. Uh, so I want to call something out here. Though. Okay. Um, and that is, um, you know, we've talked about effective decks versus like fun decks, but I don't think that those necessarily exist on a continuum, right? Like you've got effective decks over here and fun decks over here. You can have effective fun decks. And in fact, the job of the game, yeah, the job of the game designer is to make the effective things fun and to make the fun things effective, ideally. Okay. Right? Sure. Um, you know, there's a term for it that I've heard: the storm wind fallacy, where, you know. Okay. Tabletop role-playing yeah, terms I mean, no, in, yeah, in table please, yeah. in trading card games. I love it. Okay, apply it. I, I, no, know, I know it, yeah, but for no, dear listener. Wanna, for dear listener, why don't, why don't you explain it? So the, uh, I, think, I believe yeah. named after a forum poster named Tempest Stormwind. And, and the argument goes back to Dungeons & Dragons. And the argument is that a, a well-built character uh, who is mechanically optimized... You know, there's in, in tabletop role playing, there's this idea of the munchkin, somebody who has built a character that is very good mechanically uh, without um, without any thought towards their role playing. And the, the, and the idea, the, the Stormwind fallacy says that's a fallacy, that that's wrong, that a mechanically optimized character can also be well role played, can also have a narrative uh, meaning behind them, and that so doing the thing that is fun role playing and doing the thing that is efficient and mechanically optimized according to these rules they're not mutually exclusive you can do both uh and i'm going to cut myself short there because we have to finish this podcast uh tonight i have a lot of thoughts yeah and i yeah but but to that point you know i think that it's not it's quadrants it's not it's not a continuum where you can play efficiently for expression and ideally you know, as a game designer, you want to kind of make things that are expressive be efficient. You you don't want to make like clown the clown shoes deck be the the best deck in the format unless you're playing a very specific kind of game. What do, what do you mean by the clown shoes deck? Um, something where uh, so imag imagine you know you're in some kind of like a, a computer RPG phenomena and you're you're. Uh, Clothing gives stats to your character, right? So the, the, the thing that I've heard here is that you don't want to make football helmet clown shoes the, the best build. Oh, like in, because, if, yeah. if you're in Skyrim yeah. or something, you want the best build right. to look like a fantasy hero, not clown shoes. Right. Okay. So the goal With is to not helmet. be Fortnite yeah. the most successful video game of all time. I, I mean, I'm old, so, so maybe... <laughs> Okay, Maybe no, but I see what you're saying. Uh, the goal should be yeah. that the efficient deck and the fun deck, the thematic deck, and, and the Star Wars Unlimited designers have talked to this point a lot, that previous iterations of Star Wars ran into problems where it is uh, minor NPC death stick dealer versus uh, totally no-name clone that you haven't heard of, and that the goal yeah. of the game should be Luke versus Rey versus... Obi-Wan versus Darth Maul versus uh, Hondo versus these these iconic characters should make up your deck because that's what makes for a fun, yeah. good Star Wars uh, story. Yeah. Okay. So, um, 
and I think that there's a so I guess to try and get into the the theory behind what we're talking about and why we're talking about this is like I said there is a tendency for people on both sides of this argument to get frustrated for people who are playing for expression to have a bad time when they go into competitive spaces because they're playing for expression and they they get crushed and contrary wise for people who are playing uh in like an aggressive try hard you want to win way um to have a bad time when they're playing against people who are just goofing around right you know okay it's not if I, I, it's not fun to beat up on on nerds all the time. Right. I mean, we're all nerds here to some extent. Yeah. So okay. So I feel like right. There's two branches of this conversation, and um, I will, yeah. you you pick one that we'll chase down. But there's still that idea of what is uh, the expression and how can you express yourself even if you're attempting to win. Yes. And there's also the question yes. of how do you how does this play out in your local community. At, yeah. at your, so let's talk about the playing for expression first. Okay. Like, how, so how do you play the, to expression when you're trying to win? All right, yeah. so before we even get into that, I want to challenge only because it challenges my worldview. And if my worldview yeah. is being challenged, and obviously the assertion must be wrong. Um, mm -hmm. I consider myself to be a reasonably Timmy player. And I gravitate towards goodstuff.deck. Um, yeah. In that <clears throat> I want the Timmiest two-cost cards in my deck. I'm not looking for combo pieces. I'm looking for Battlefield Marine. Hey, it's a 3-3 three, three mm -hmm. for two. That's insane. Why, who cares that it's a vanilla card? Just, it's awesome. Right. That's my twos. All right, what's my yeah. threes? Oh, look at that Echo, you know, uh, base defender. Awesome. It's a 4-3 yeah. with Sentinel. That's so much beef. And you're just stacking beef so that every card you pull is yeah. just awesome, right? Like, that feels Timmy-ish to me, even though it is, in a way, yeah. oh, totally. good stuff dot deck. Yeah, I, I think that you're you're absolutely not wrong. But um, I think that where the divergence comes in is uh, how often are you playing Inferno 4, right? Like, if you're playing black-blue, Inferno 4 is not a very Timmy card, right? Like, it's a reasonably statted space unit that does deck manipulation, right? And I would, I would say that, like, if you were playing Timmy, the thought of playing black-blue and then having to put Inferno 4 in your deck make, give, should give you, I mean... I'm not a Timmy, so I, I wouldn't know. But but my sort of from the outside take on Timmy dumb is that it wouldn't feel real good. That's fair. Um, I mean, I'm, yeah. I haven't been seven in a while. Um, okay, I, I accept that 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 a pure Timmy deck isn't necessarily good stuff because I think Inferno Four is really good stuff. Um, it is absolutely good if, stuff. If you're yeah. playing uh, blue-black, then... You know, Count, Count Dooku is good stuff. You know, like, whole colors whole colors are defined by having, like, cards that are good, but not necessarily stats good. Sure. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. So, all right, you've answered my question of why pure good stuff dot deck is because isn't necessarily um, beef dot deck. Is a Timmy deck. Beef dot deck. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Okay. That that is Timmy to the core. And, right. And, yeah. and my favorite deck tends to exist somewhere in the beefy side of good stuff dot deck. But okay. Right. Uh, so the other thing I think something that I've been thinking a lot about is nobody, very few people, dear listener, you might be one of these people, is a pure expression, play for expression or a pure play to win, in the sense that everybody absolutely. wants to win a little bit, and and you get to mm -hmm. a fork in the road. 
of what do you want to play? And you're going to choose right. the more competitively viable. If you have two leaders that you love, and I think that, that that's really important in a game like uh, the original Play to Win book by um, David Serlin. David Serlin. Uh, you know, it's talking about, talks a lot, it's written in a magic context. And let's be honest, Vorthos, people's out there, people, there are people out there who, who really love magic lore. Uh, mm -hmm. in, a, in, a, in a fun twist, one of them is, I believe, uh, Tyler Parrott, uh, one of the developers of Star Wars Unlimited. He tweets a lot about magic lore. Um, so there yes. are some people who are really into it, but I, I think it is fair, even to those people, to say that the, the lore of the magic universe is, is a tiny little dirigible against the onslaught of Star Wars. Like, I mean, Star Wars is yes. probably the most monolithic uh, IP. And I say that as, to a man who is a fan of Lord of the Rings and Glorantha, right? Like... Star Wars is huge, yeah. right? I'm coming, you know, I'm, oh, I'm yeah. a Star Trek guy, and still, no candle. Star Wars is just huge. So, every the, the value of playing for expression, I think, steps up a lot. Because you're not playing this yeah. planeswalker who has appeared in two books and, uh, you know, is referenced in the flavor text on six Th cards. Threes of books and several short stories. Right, threes now, of Mark. books Please. and some yeah. short stories published on magic.com. Uh, uh, we're, we're, you know, you're you're playing Luke Skywalker, right? You're playing Boba yeah. Fett, the the epitome of minor character who, by nerd love, is turned into franchise bearing, load bearing character, yeah. right? So that expression suddenly gets gets there. People have incredible value in these leaders, but e even then, you're a Boba Stan, and you all you just love bounty hunters and it's boba and ig88 like mm. you're staring down sparker rebellion you're gonna play boba right like i mean there are people who yeah. are trying to make ig88 work but if you love them both equally you're, you're almost everybody's gonna choose the one that's gonna win right so we're all right. a little uh, bit outside of them. contrarians what I, outside of, of outside of hardcore contrarians we can't, I mean, then yeah. you're deriving external yeah. value, right? You're like, I'm, yeah. but, yes. but I want to come yeah. back to that because I, I think there's yeah. value there. Um, you know, and, and, and similarly, while even the most, even the most play to win, the, the spikiest spike who is reading meta reports, thinking about who's going to be showing up to this planetary qualifier, who's going to be showing up to this sector qualifier, is so-and-so going to be there because, you know, um, they're going to, you know, the meta's going to skew green, so I better bring yada yada. Those yeah. people, even they, I mean, they're. I have to assume, I have to assume, they're not here playing Star Wars Unlimited because it's the number one game, right? Like, the winningest winning is happening at the bigger games with the bigger cash prizes. and the. I, I think the bigger winning is happening at poker, right? Like, like <laughs> yeah. if, you're, if you're purely in it for the money, you are not playing... Excellent point. So, so yeah. even the winningest, yeah. spikiest Star Wars Unlimited player likes Star Wars a little yeah. bit. The, the fact that they're here yeah. speaks to them playing for expression a little bit. So I think it's important to acknowledge that everybody's a little bit both. And, but the reason why we're talking about this, especially for me, is that identifying where you are on that play for expression, play for win quadrant uh, or spectrum is yeah. important. Because I think a lot of that unhappiness where you're comes from a mismatch of expectations where you think you're one yes. thing 
and you're not. Like you, we've all encountered that player who who acts like and plays like uh, a, a spike. They seem very focused yeah. on winning. They're very much a, a try hard, and yet get angry when defeated by what they consider to be a broken combo or you know they're like well you shouldn't be playing that way right like uh well i believe sir yeah no that, that's scrub right like they're scrubs you know, yes like oh, oh yeah. you, you can't do that well yes you can if you want to win right and, and so i don't think that's a that person's problem is that there's a mismatch of expectation they think they're at a certain point of play to win there is right. they have expression that they, is unacknowledged and knowing where you are in that spectrum i think leads to happiness yeah, I, I would agree with that. And to go back to the the Serlin point about scrubs, I think that what you know, we're um, we're going to throw this this term around a little bit, but um, what is a scrub? In de- for those so who haven't in, read Playing de- to Win, yeah. So um, Playing to Win is a book about how you ought to structure your mental approach when you are trying to win at a game. And I think I think and for some context, it is fair to say the book is yeah. seminal. And mildly controversial. Yes. I would agree with both of those things. And, and yeah. possibly the book is getting dated, but is still very... The core The core question the, is one that still yeah. must be answered. Right. And, you know, Serlin's kind of core point is, if you are trying to win, if your goal is to win, then do it. And that means that you ought to use all methods that are available to you within the scope of the rules in order to win. And the, the thing that he spends a huge amount of time railing against is this kind of scrub mindset that he terms, where the scrub mindset is, I want to play to win, but not that way. Um, because that is, you know, degenerate, broken, cheap. You know, there, there's all these, these terms that get thrown around. It's, it's, not, it's not the right way to play. But, you know, in Serlin's book, and I think it's a very convincing argument, if you want to win, the goal of winning is to win, and if there is a method that you can take that is within the rules that will enable you to win, you ought to do it. Sure. And if the game is not fun by people playing in the way that optimizes playing to win, that is the fault of the game and not the people who are playing in that manner. Yes. And I, I think those points yeah. are, but I think those points are all valid. But yeah. The, the thing that stands out to me that I think where it's, this is where I get back to magic lore versus Star Wars yeah. lore. And my, my, there, there are critiques of the, of the book from, in terms of angle shooting, but the, but the critique that yeah. I want to focus on is that scrub mentality seems very uh, negative focused. Uh, not a negative yes. outpoint, but it's a scrub says you should not do this. A, yes. a scrub says you can't play like this. This card is bad. This card is unfair. This card is, is uh, requires yeah. a mindset that isn't smart. Smart players don't play aggro. That's a scrub mindset. Whatever. Yeah. Not critiquing that, but I think that discounts again the play to, for expression of I want to play X. So, so this is something that in my mind I kind of scrubs have limitations, but I think you can play to yes. win and yet still have challenges. Um, oh, completely. So you know, pointing to um, Roll on Gaming has the Thrawn Chronicles. Uh, Outmaneuver Podcast has uh, passionate fans of Chewbacca. I think it is fair to say that Chewbacca and Thrawn are the lower half 
wherever your tier list is for the 18 leaders in Spark of Rebellion, those two probably pulling up the bottom half. And if you're playing to win purely 100%, then yes, don't play them, right? Like unless you can figure out some outside angle to allow them to work, some meta read that just whatever, they're generally not advisable. And yet, I think you can indulge in your play to win that, again, aspect, that, that, that play for expression of saying, okay, I'm going to start from this point. It's not that I shouldn't. It's that how far right. can I go? How, how much can yes. I dominate? How well can I do with Thrawn, with a Spectre deck, with, uh, you know, IG-88, right? It's, it's taking these, because I, I think the people who roll on gaming, uh, like, like uh, Kevin's comments on Thrawn, like reflect a strong understanding of the game, uh, of the lines, and absolutely same true with the Chewbacca stands uh, over at Outmaneuver. So you can play to win, and st but you know, like that's no. I'm I'm going to echo that. You know, I I you know to to kind of refine that point a little bit. I think that there is playing to win this game and playing to win as like the broader becoming the best player that you can possibly be. And part of people becoming, and like the community also grows by learning. We grow by playing against these weird archetypes where like if you're always seeing the same things at the top, that might be because literally these things are so dominant that nothing else can challenge. Or it might be that things have gotten stagnant. And having these people who have these like pet cards or pet decks or pet ways of playing i think is good overall for the community because it helps if you think about like the community is trying to find the shape of the play space if everybody is just like following the hill climbing algorithm you're going to get a lot of exploration around like these these well-defined peaks but there might be peaks completely off in weird directions that nobody would ever find without this kind of playing for expression for this love of the game and to, to echo that point about, um, you know, it, you can play to win while you're playing for expression. I think that that's absolutely true. But you have to understand what you're doing, yes. right? Like if right. you're, yes, if you are bringing a, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna posit that Chewbacca is bad. Right. I'm not saying that he is. I'm just, if we stipulate that Chewbacca is bad, if you bring Chewbacca to your, your sector qualifier, you are maybe losing uh, expectation value. Right. And, you know, there is an argument that if you are literally the best Chewbacca player on God's green earth, that you have played against, you know, you have played against every variant of Boba Green a hundred times, and they have played against your Chewbacca deck zeros of times. Right. So you you can take in, come in from the outside and and do well but you have to be willing to accept that the odds are not in your favor right. yeah, yeah. No, one of the garbage rollers i believe has yeah. uh lost a bet and will be playing taking uh ig88 to a showdown uh and, and that doesn't mean you can't approach yeah. the, the entire day's yeah. activities with the most try hard mentality possible like how far can i do, yes. you know what can i do to dominate yeah given this limitation but yes, yeah, I, th I think that's a fantastic. Way. And, and I it, to segue into that, or into our other half of talking a little bit about yeah, how does this play out? Because that mismatch of expectations of how much 
am I trying to win and how much am I mm -hmm. having fun? Uh, I, I think yeah. it gets worse when you m multiply that by the expectations of your the people around you, right? And so yeah. what can you do? Let's talk, I want to talk a little bit about what you can do to make sure that the expectations of the community around you are aligned both with each other and with yourself. And to segue into that, one of the things that I think every player that I respect has mentioned at some point is the notion of bringing kind of two tiers of decks to their locals. Mm -hmm. The meta deck and the jank. Like, grab one of those game genic double boxes and, you know, holds two decks. We're not sponsored by game genic. You can, you can use your, your card box of choice. No, it's, it is the card box yeah. of choice for Star Wars Unlimited. And nobody's sponsored. It is I the card box of choice for Star Wars. It's possible yeah. they're sponsoring now, but not definitely not us. Um, but you grab yeah. your double deck box. Get get in the comments, game channel. Well, yeah, right. Well, I mean, right. Yeah. I mean, but what they got the? I mean, they do the professor now, right? I mean, like. Um, yeah, yeah. But you grab your double deck box and you put one yeah. deck in that. Yep, this is the one you are refining for the PQ, and you put your other deck in, and you're like, this is absolutely absurd. Like, why? It's a, you know, Chewbacca yellow deck that's running two copies uh, of. Uh, overwhelming barrage why because you have an idea right like this is this is mm -hmm. playing for expression it is a piece of art it is that chair that has ceased to have any functional value to put your butt on it is an installation you know and you bring those two and then when you sit down because you're not in a tournament setting you're sitting down at your locals yeah and who are you playing against and and every player i respect like every content creator said that they're going to have these two decks and, and yeah. so, and I think that matters because you need to know who your community is and will be and who, what you're yeah. trying to curate because, so why don't you talk about that for a minute, Ned? Of, I mean, I think it speaks to the quality of, of the player base for Star Wars Unlimited is that um, people want to have fun and you don't have fun if you're getting completely obliterated. Now, there are some games that people approach with the mindset of, you know, I, I think fighting games and chess are kind of the classic examples here where there's no if, if you're going to like a chess club, you are expecting other people to play hard against you. And if you lose, that's how you get better. But I think that for most people playing um, card games, that's not how they approach it is that, you know, you are coming in and there are some people who are going to come in with that mindset of, you know, go as hard as you can against me because I want to get better. But I think that for most people, you know, you want to have a chance of winning. And how, part of having a chance of winning is that you're playing against people who are at sort of similar skill and similar seriousness to you. Well, and so, yeah. You know, and it's funny you mentioned that. So um, back in August, I think, I'm new to competitive TCGs. It's the first time I'm actually thinking about going beyond my local game store in a long time. And I asked an etiquette question, and it really blew up. And it came back, uh, the, the verdict was, mm, this might be the way you work, uh, it works the way you think it works, but let's wait for the real rules. So the real rules came up, and yeah. mindful of what I was about to do, I asked the question again, which is, and I apologize for the digression, Ned. Um, no, by all means. So here's a question for you. There's, I am playing, you're playing Vader. Yes. And you're playing Vader ramp. And yep. you miscount. 
you think you have seven resources, but you have six, right? Mm -hmm. So you place your epic action token or you flip Vader over, right? Yeah. Clearly demonstrating intent to use your epic action. Yeah. I remind you uh, uh, that you have only six resources. Now, mindful that you don't go into Discord, Ned, what happens then? Ooh. I mean, in general, if you attempt to take an illegal game action, you're not allowed to take an illegal game action. Uh, an illegal game yes, action. but the action's not illegal. It's a legal game action. Oh. Because the epic, the, it's epic action is the action. And then it says, if you have seven resources, deploy your leader. Oh. But you don't have seven resources, so nothing happens. And oh, taking yeah, the I think action rules is written. You you get you just you get no leader this game. Taking yep. the action you, itself changes host. the yeah. game state because an epic action can only be yeah. used once. And the comprehensive rules state yeah. taking an epic action in and of itself is changing the game state. Now, yeah, this offends a lot of people to their very core. And I come from a background of a profession that's job is to defend pedophiles and murders and arsonists, right? Like so you still got to ask the question, right? Like, even if it offends you, and, yeah. and like, it offends me to my core. Like, I, I don't want to play a game where I'm telling somebody they don't get to deploy their leader, right? Like, that, that sounds awful. But, yeah, you got to know what the rules are, right? And, and the rules, yeah, no. the law is, right? Right? Is that, mm, sucks. No leader for you this yeah. game. Now, in any remotely casual environment, don't, whatever, right? Yeah. Um, no new, you know, game state. Even at like a showdown, Right, but it starts getting when there's points on the line, when there's prizes no, yeah. on the line. And it was fascinating to me because uh, not to call somebody out, um, and, and nothing but respect. Uh, but um, this was the first time uh, Titi Tata, I, I, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, who has made fantastic content, uh, seems to be one of the far right end of the bell curve in terms of uh, assessment and strategy so far uh, of the kind of microcosm community that exists in Discord. So it seems to, buying a lot of product as far as I can tell and having a lot of great insights in the game. So somebody who in theory yeah. is right out there on the bleeding edge of attempts to do well. Um, yeah. Was offended to the very core that this would ever come up. Or, or, or maybe came across that way. And I don't want to put words right. in their mouth, but but seemed just incensed that people would that this was just unacceptable, sport, you know, unsportsmanlike conduct. And so yeah. the the point being is that it, it doesn't. I feel like it doesn't matter how far you get on, on the play to win spectrum. There's still an element of like this game's supposed to be fun, right? This again, yes. this is not. We're not playing poker for like real money. We are not playing we're not arbitraging like commodities this is at the end of the day no. a game and and there's just uh, there's limits of how much you can manipulate the rules to win before it becomes unfun right and, and i think that different people have different tolerances for that and i think that like as as the environment gets more competitive um that's that's the way that it's going to go. Like, they're, sure. They're, but I, and, and I, I to that point, agree. we yeah. define the community, right? Like, if you're yeah. listening to this, you are part of defining the Star Wars as a limited community as a whole. 
and you're part of defining your own local community, right? Like, Ned, you and I are defining the community at Gongai at Guardian Games. We are defining the community in Portland. We are, we are not the only ones. We are one of dozens, if not hundreds, of players in Portland. But Dozens of us. Dozens of us. But, but everybody <laughs> defines their community, and communities contribute yes. to defining. So, so you have to kind of ask, yeah. you know, where is that spectrum? And I, I, I think that's a really important question, especially for you and I to ask as, yeah. as dads. You know, I want to take my son to go play. Mm-hmm. And there are TCG environments where I'd be happy to take my son. And there are TCG environments where I would not want to take my son. Less happy, yeah. And, th- and that's not talking about decorum. That's yeah. not talking about personal hygiene. Yeah. That's talking purely about the level yeah. of play, right? Uh, yes. and, and I think, so, you know, you can play the game. You can have a, a local store that is all tryhards, and that's awesome. Yes. And you should, but you should make sure that that's what your story is, right? Like, yeah. You don't want to be the one person bringing the meta competitive deck when everybody else is bringing something that's like one step removed from uh, twin sons, like shenanigans, like you know. Yeah. But vice versa, don't expect the game to cater to you if you show up to a store, and there are grinders there. These are people who are gearing up. They're going to go to every showdown until they have a complete set playset of the uh, of Mace Windu. They're going to go to four OP nights a week because they want all 20 of the OP cards in foil, right? Yeah. If that's the store that happens to be closest to you and you are in the minority wanting funzy shenanigans, like then you need to yeah. set up another night, you know, that you know, kitchen table or you need swoo takes place at the kitchen table, yeah. you know. There's no wrong answer, or, but or you, you got to make sure your yeah your store has your yeah. right answer. Yes, and or you have to be comfortable with being the odd person out, mm-hmm. right? Like you can. I, I would say that unfortunately, it's one of those things that doesn't quite work both ways. Where I think that the ultra competitive people will happily crush you. I mean, they they might not be like over the moon about it, but they they will they will happily crush you. Whereas at the like casual fuzzy store, I think that you will make a lot of people very unhappy if you're bringing like meta boba green right every time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, and yeah. it, that goes back to the fact that everybody is a little bit play to win, right? <laughs> like, even the most yeah. expressive play, you know, are still hoping to win. But I think, yeah. for me, that comes back to this idea of being uh, welcoming versus being inviting. Yes. Um, whereas, if you are a grinder store, if you have set up a grinder community, you don't need to invite uh, the flu- the Fuzzle shenanigan player yeah. to join your community. You should be welcoming, right? Like, the goal yeah. should be when somebody walks in the door to play Stars Unlimited that we should all be working together to get them yes. to the table that makes them happy. So you want to be welcoming, yes. but you don't need to compromise your table. Like, there's no wrong or right way. I mean, there probably is, but within the context of tonight's conversation, there's no wrong or right way to play. So, yeah. welcome people to your table. Find out, ooh, yeah, no, no, we're, this is very much a play to win. You are going to see, like, there's only two decks here tonight, right? All nine yeah. of us here, there's only two decks that we all collectively brought because... And by two decks, you mean, like, one one deck with slightly different choices in the in the main deck cards. Sure, yeah, but, you know, it's just yeah. like, there's the aggro deck, <laughs> and there's the control deck, and, you know, whatever, we'll deal yeah. with those mid-range players when we, come, when we yeah. find them. But yeah. there's, we are, this is a crucible, you know, we, yeah. we are cooking here. And yeah. welcome 
I'll play my jank deck for one game and then send you on your way. Yeah. You know, or, or yeah. oh yeah, the Tuesday night group, they play a lot of Twin Suns, you know, or maybe yeah, come to Limited or Seal or whatever. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's really, I, I don't know, that's my point is figure out, first of all, figure out where you are. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people are actually wrong. A lot of people think they're more competitive than they really are. They haven't really identified how they express themselves in play. And once you've identified that, identify what the community is. Don't pick your shop purely based, you know, picking your shop based on geography, based on how brightly lit and friendly the staff is, how, you know, hygienic the other players are. These are powerful, motivating factors. But yes, you also have to ask what kind of Star Wars Unlimited are they playing? Um, and, you know, that's something that, that weighs heavily on my mind is what kind do I want to play? And you know. Ned, do you have closing thoughts on this segment? Um, I overall agree, but I, I think that one of the things to talk about just briefly is formats, right? Like certain formats are going to lend themselves more towards some styles of play than others. Like, for example, trying to be the try-hard Twin Suns player. Uh, okay, buddy. Uh, don't, don't, don't be know, that guy or gal. Don't, I mean, I'm not saying don't be that guy, but be aware you're, you're ice skating uphill here, right? right? Whereas... Um, and nobody's coming to limited you know, just to like foof around everybody's coming to limited to some extent to win i i would say that's actually that's not completely true because limited is one of the few places where you get to come in and you don't have to have you you are at the same playing field as everybody else as far as like deck sure right? I, everybody I, get, has, I get that there might be yeah, less experienced yeah. people and that may but at the same yeah. time there's not enough cards to truly express yourself sure right like the, the, yeah your, no i would agree medium with that is yeah. so limited the only thing you can really do is try to draft the best deck you can do yeah you may be bad at signals right you may be bad at reading signals you you know or whatever but you still that's a place where you're going to win right I mean, yeah but okay so format is a, is a is a great way to figure out how there's some built-in assumptions they're, yeah, I'm not. They're not universal, but but they're a good first start. Okay, and that that's the point of having formats. All right. Speaking of formats, anyway, yeah. Oh yes. Uh, so our second segment tonight. Um, again, dear listener, you are in the future. Uh, you are so much closer to cracking packs than Ned and I are. Congratulations. Uh, I hope the future is better. Um, we want to talk a little bit about just kind of insight we've collected i can't say that we have because we've uh never drafted or, or done a sealed starter deck star wars unlimited uh event no. before um but this is mostly for me to talk through the things i need to do ned to correct me and then we'll try to put a bow on it for you dear listener um is how to prep for the pre-release event so you're gonna get six packs two promos yay um i'm gonna be doing this thrice i think over two weekends i'm lucky enough to have a store that is doing pre-release on actual release so that's more opportunities for those promos um the one that i've been doing the most is uh you got to familiarize yourself with the draft chaff um i think a lot of people have dismissed a lot of commons uh and uncommons is kind of you know it's unplayable moving on to you know, premier viable, constructed viable, but right. that's not 
going to be an option. You have six packs. You got to build no. out of this. Knowing where the synergies are, knowing where the combos are at that common level, I think suddenly is of greater value. I'm just going to oh, go absolutely. I think, yeah, yeah. Um, and and specifically the the common leaders and the bases because that's going to define everything, right? Like, uh, you're gonna you know if you see your opponent um, twitching, sweating a lot, it's probably because they're going through an uh, energy conversion lab withdrawals, uh, right? Like hell of a drug. Uh, you're going to be running a 30 hit point base. That feels like a foregone conclusion. March 1st, 30 HP base. Uh, you're going to be running one of the common leaders. Maybe not. Some, you know, six packs, you have a reasonable chance of getting a rare leader, but the likelihood that that rare leader is also the best matchup with the colors that you've got in your six packs. Yep. I mean, so so it's a common game. It is a essentially like a worse version of Popper, right? It's the worst combination of draft and Popper, um, which leads to a slow game. You get to reevaluate a lot of those long-term tempo plays. People don't immediately have answers, right? I think about the Consortium Star Viper card that is constructed viable, premier viable. It's an it, you know space card that just generates value the longer it's on the board and it's harder to yeah. answer people don't have a ton of removal to just get rid of it and, yeah you know that's going to win a lot of games that card alone it's common easy you know uh, mono aspect available to both both uh sides of the morality fence it's going to win games uh and then last but not least uh, familiarize yourself with Luke and Vader because uh, this is the one time everybody has access to them. Uh, where you're, we're going to see a ton of them. Uh, they're the only time they're available in a limited event, but every single, even if they don't work for your cards, they're going to work for a lot of people's cards. A lot of people are going to have Blue Hero, Red Villainy in their six packs. They're going to be like the most, they have to be the most common, most present leaders. So, Knowing their strengths, their weaknesses, play them, play against them, uh, you know, helps. Uh, to that end, uh, Force Table has a sealed simulator. Uh, open six packs, build Ooh. a deck using, I my understanding is the current best understanding of the pack uh, drawing probabilities. The more you do that, the more, the more fake packs you crack between now and February 29th, leap year, uh, the more, uh, the, you know, the more familiarity you'll have with building a slow, chonky deck out of six times six, 96 cards. So, you know, um, which brings us uh, to the night of. Um, this one is the one goes back to testing. Uh, you got to manage your time. Uh, you got to manage yourself, um, you know. Hydrate. Think about building your deck. Like, don't spend forever ogling the hyperspace cards, your foils. You have a finite amount of time to make the optimal deck. You know, think while you're sleeving. Um, and then also, uh, I think there. You know, in in, in the other form, limited format, um, in draft, there's the notion of bread, uh, right? Bombs removal. Evasion, uh, aggro, duds. Uh, 
I think that's a bad, uh, a bad mantra in in sealed because you're not making those instant choices. I think that's just a like a, I don't want to say a crutch, um, but just a, a quick. It's an easy. Uh, I'm I'm blanking on the word, but it's just an easy, you know, way to grab the card when you have twelve cards in front of you. You got to make a quick assessment, a quick decision, but you don't have to make that choice. You're not competing for any of the cards in your pack of six so don't evaluate it from that point you're going to have bombs that don't fit in your whole deck context right i mean i think that the, this also is somewhat older advice so what i mean by that is um and sorry for like detouring into a, nope. a, a minor magic history lesson but like older magic formats there tended to be a really wide gulf in card quality between bombs and everything else Right, where the bombs were incredibly bomby, and again, some limited formats are more bready and, and some are less. But this is this this pick order makes sense in a context where there are game winning bombs. And so the idea is first you want to get your bombs, and then the removal is there to answer your opponent's bombs to the extent that it can, and then the evasion is there because there's gonna be a bunch of crap. And so you need to be able to get around the crap. The aggro is there. Maybe you can't get around the crap, but maybe you can get in before enough of the crap comes down that you can um, do some damage. And then everything else is, is terrible. Um, for more modern uh, magic draft formats uh, and more aggressive magic draft formats, there is an idea of cabs, uh, where cabs is short for cards that affect the board state. And the idea about cabs drafting is while like traditional limited might have something that produces a token every turn again we're talking about a magic context as being like an insanely slam dunk bomb because it was giving you that like long-term value if it's not affecting the board enough on the turn that it comes down in aggressive formats you're just going to get run over okay so red is not think, only uh yeah. in a, less applicable to sealed it's also old um yes okay so yeah, don't do that. Uh, look at, you, you know, you're looking at a holistic whole. You don't have to make any choices. Right. You don't have to compete. Um, familiarize yourself with the cards yeah. you're likely to get, right? Um, but again, so for example, if you have... Yeah. I I personally don't think that Overwhelming Barrage, uh, arguably one of the top five, top ten cards in the set, is in and of itself enough of a reason to go green villainy in a sealed deck. It's a strong... Uh, selling point, right? That that overwhelming barrage might be a pack one, pick one. Uh, yes. But in, in, in a draft format. But in a seal format, you might have it. But if you don't have everything else to, to back it up, then you have to, you know. I mean, maybe. But, but I mean, the traditional sealed advice is play your rares. You know, you play, look at what your good cards are and try and maximize your deck to take advantage of the good cards that you have. And I would, you know... This is where we're going to get into arguments, but I would say like overwhelming barrage is powerful enough and cheap enough that I would consider splashing it if I was only one. Sure, yeah, absolutely. But again, if you're only yeah. off by one, right? And I think that's the thing yes. is that if you're running villainy, you can you the 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 you can run over. I mean, I'm not saying don't take overwhelming barrage. I'm saying overwhelming yeah. barrage is not a compelling enough reason to run black green. It's a yes, strong idea to be that. black or green, right? Like. And it's, overwhelming it's barrage for nine, even in limited, is probably a lot. But 
I think that's too much, right? Like if you're compa you're comparing it at that point to uh, what Super Laser Blast, the the black right. blue destroy yeah. everything, exactly. Yeah. yeah, get rid of everything, which maybe is yeah. So, uh, but again, the, the splashing allows you to keep your rares. Yeah, you know they inform some things, but we and we have that weird morality, the weird one and a half sets of aspects, right? It's not five aspects, it's not six aspects, it's four with this axis of two. Um, yeah, and and your rares have a high likelihood of you know. It, 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 don't look at that. Look at that. I think mm -hmm. later, when you can ask yourself, is it worth plus two, right? Like, look at what you can build a whole deck out of. Look at what you can build twenty six yeah. of your cards out of, and then if you yes. have any great rares, right? Any weird cards that are just really good value, you can always. Are they still good value in a limited format at plus two? Um, so, okay. Uh, well, yeah. dear listener, good luck, uh, at pre-release. Um, the next time we talk to you, uh, you will have cracked packs. We will have cracked packs. We'll have actual product in hand. Uh, if it weren't so late here in Portland right now, Ned and I would be expressing more excitement. Um, but it is late. Uh, so yes. I think that's all she wrote. This was the... Uh, episode 9 of The Force Unlimited. Uh, we're recording February 20th uh, of 2024. Uh, dear listener, if you have any thoughts about the email or about the episode, please email us at theforceunlimited at gmail.com. Ned, do you have any final thoughts about the episode? May the Force be with you. Oh, ooh. <laughs> That's a punt, and this is the perfect time for the punt, and I'll take it. I love it. Uh, awesome. We will see you in two weeks.